family is all that lives in sight and sound, touch and taste. Live, come on, be human and give, give, give. <laughs> the Woodstock Roundtable welcomes you to be a part of being human. Aho! Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Woodstock Roundtable. Doug Grunthe, your host. And we look forward to two hours of conversational improv, live music, and a cool interview or two. Professor Louie, one of our favorite musicians, will be involved with an interesting event. So he's going to call in. We're going to play a cut from his latest CD and find out what the good professor and his wonderful rock band are up to. Porter Fox is a journalist and author, uh, and his new book, Northland, A 4,000-Mile Journey Along America's Forgotten Border, is a really good read. We'll get into um, some of the remarkable trips that he has taken along our northern border and what it tells us about our country and our culture. Among the topics for conversation what happens when you give ecstasy to an octopus some scientists wanted to find out how does impressing a robot get you a job better get used to it and the close connection between mass anxiety and a cultural renaissance plus a Shakespeare quote that's going to have a lot of relevance next week joining me co-hosting and engineering our show is on air weekend warrior here at radio woodstock ron van wormer we'll have music from the sultan of sonic soul is bringing in a special musical guest and a wrap-up with our favorite existential street philosopher patrick carlin a lot is gonna happen fasten your seatbelts. join us for the woodstock roundtable Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Let's do this one more time. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Doug. How cool was it this morning? It was cool. It was in the 40s this yeah. morning when I got up. That's cool. I had to close my window I, last well, night. I hate to say it. I like it. Oh. <laughs> I'm a warm weather guy. Yeah. But, boy, that was a hot, humid summer, so good to get a little it bit was. of autumn in our bones and in our blood. And um, speaking of blood, it's going to start boiling up next week. In the U.S. Senate, what a, I hate to use the word show, but it's going to be a show, an important show. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time this week on the Kavanaugh nomination. We'll save that for next Sunday when our colleague, Victoria Sullivan, will be here and we'll actually get to hear what happens. But I have a four-part prediction. Four-part prediction. Ready? All set. Part one. When Dr. Ford shows up, she is going to be questioned by Democrats and Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Every Republican on that committee is an old white guy. Nah. Forget whatever they say. Images are powerful. And the image of old white guys in suits 
and a woman accuser at a table is everybody's aware of the power of that image. Yeah. And while I have little faith in the American culture because we move too slowly and we're still too screwed up, the fact is it's going to be a lot different than 27 years ago when Anita Hill was excoriated in that same situation. The Republicans are going to bend over backwards. They're going to do some of the most agile gymnastics you ever saw <laughs> not to sound accus- accusational. Yeah. Uh, because they read the polls and they know that a majority of Americans are against Kavanaugh and probably believe her. And so they're not going to be, they're going to do their best not to be, look like accusatorial jerks. Right. I don't think they can help themselves. And I think the Democrats are going to do everything they can to goad them. They'll probably succeed. But that's prediction number one. Prediction number two, they're going to nominate him. Get Get used to it. He's your next Supreme Court justice. That's prediction number two not not exactly a radical prediction pretty nope. standard the next one isn't radical either uh prediction three roe v wade will be overturned hmm. you're full of full of good news this and morning. then prediction number four the only way i could describe what i think is going to happen when roe v wade is overturned we go to the bard now i don't claim yeah. to be any expert on shakespeare I don't say that with any pride, and I don't say that with any personal disdain. I just never, I, I, you know, while studying him as I had to in school, I never really got into him. Well, good. Okay? Because but, according to this, right. it's not a Shakespearean quote. It's not. No. So I don't even have the quote right. It's a, Who said hell hath no fury like a woman scorned? Uh, it's a line from a William Congreve poem from 1697. What? Wow. So I got that conflated I, I, with Shakespeare. I, I think everybody does. Hmm. I don't think you're alone. And maybe Shakespeare, you know, ripped him off somewhere, but but he's not, but it's not uh, he's not given any uh, I've just been going through and looking for a, a Shakespeare reference and I'm not finding one. Well, at any rate, it doesn't really matter because the phrase is going to come to bear because uh we've talked about this before. Um the needle has changed. The cultural needle has changed. And we're going to see that on Thursday. And you don't think that uh, this will make uh, his nomination fall through with this woman testifying in front of the no. nation? No. And it's very simple. And again, I hope I'm wrong. But here's why I sincerely doubt it. Uh, number one, there's not going to be an investigation. So it's he said, she said. Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to get proven in terms of that of what what happened. Okay, uh, do you really think that Judge Kavanaugh, this guy's a smart guy, he's been in the public limelight many many times. He has totally completely denied this accusation, and he's not going to cave in and say, "Okay, I admit it, I did it." Yeah, you're right. You know, is that going to happen? No, and she's going to say he did, and and. Some evidence will be provided by the Democrats, but the fact of the matter is, I don't, you know, there's no way to prove it 
one way or the other. It's a question of who do you believe. There was a, 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 a congressman on one of the shows saying that if uh, in the uh, midterms the uh, election is the, the Congress is flipped, that they would do an investigation. Even if he's a sitting Supreme Court right, justice. But I don't believe, I'm not an expert here either, I don't believe you can impeach a Supreme Court justice. You can impeach a federal judge. Um, I could, could go Again, we count on <laughs> AI is smarter than we are. Um, uh, type in, can you impeach a um, Supreme Court justice? I don't think you can. At any rate, um, I think they're going to, I think he's going to get confirmed. I think they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I think you're going to have a social revolution in this country. And it's about time. Uh, apparently one justice was impeached. Really? Uh, let's see where it, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, well, at any rate that could happen. No, this is. Uh, but you see, there's bigger there's bigger stories than politics, and uh, to me, this this goes into what's been going on for thousands of years. That what they call the patriarchy. This is you know this is this is not a current story. This is a deeply rooted story in the human psyche, and um, uh, I think in a very chaotic, disruptive challenging but ultimately enlightening way this may be the only way we can really get at um, dealing with the thousand years of patriarchy that mm-hmm. are no longer acceptable to many men and many and, and many women and um, it may take um, defeating Roe v. Wade to finally wake enough people up to, to have the social revolution you're also going to and we talked about this the other week you're going to see states' rights become a huge issue. Well, here, here's what is already happening, yeah. so it's not even a great prediction. Our founding fathers did the best they could, and most of what they did worked out great. Pretty good. <laughs> but they, they did not foresee the problems with the Electoral College. No. And they did not foresee the need for term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have now is the fact that if you live in California, you have no more power in the Senate of the United States than someone living in northern North Dakota. Right. And so, while clearly our founding fathers wanted people living in rural areas not to be totally dominated by people who live in cities, just because there were more people... Mm-hmm. who could vote their interests. That was this is complicated stuff. The fact is the Electoral College is antiquated. And it no longer serves um, because we've now had two elections in recent history where the president didn't get the popular vote. Right. But getting rid of the Electoral College is going to be a tricky thing. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. So yeah, here's, exactly. what is, here's what is going to happen. And you're already seeing it. Story that didn't get as much press as I thought it would. And this relates a little bit to the Kavanaugh issue. Um, The woman mayor of Oakland this summer, Mm -hmm. when she heard that the Justice Department was going to send ICE 
cops to basically knock on immigrants' doors, you know, find out where they live, knock on their doors, arrest them, and deport them. Mm-hmm. Not for breaking any law, not for breaking any, you know, local law, but just for being um, I, illegal aliens. Right. The mayor of Oakland, this feisty woman, warned them all and said, hey, <laughs> stay inside. Don't open your door, you know, unless you know who it is, right? Uh-huh. Well, Jeff Sessions and the Justice Department were furious at that. They said, you can't counteract a federal law, a federal procedure. And she said, want to bet? Watch me. Watch me. I just did. And if you don't like it, come arrest me. Yeah. Now, I think she is just the beginning. Um, and in California now, which is a envir- very environmentally conscious state, they're just creating their own environmental laws. They're not waiting for the federal government to do what's right. Right. And you're going to see more and more of this. And California is a huge economy. Fourth biggest economy in the <laughs> world, I believe. Yeah. So, you know, they can pretty much do what they want. And... If Roe v. Wade gets overturned, which it most likely will, certainly, well, let's put it this way. If Kavanaugh gets in, which I, he, he will, and if he's not impeached, which yeah. according to your maybe he can, maybe he can't. One was impeached, apparently, and he wasn't. He didn't actually step down. They didn't get rid of him. They impeached him, but, they, but he stayed on the— Okay. So assuming they're not going to be able to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah and Roe v. Wade gets overturned, states, the progressive states in this country, are going to have something to say about it. Yeah. They're going to invite people from other, you want, they're going to invite people from other states to come in and get, and get, and get what you need. Right. And they're going to challenge the federal government to come and arrest them. And, and they're going to go, and they're, they, you know, it, it's just going to be more difficult for the women who want well, and need all, abortions it, to, to get them that's that, all that, i understand this is it's it's wrong headed i'm just saying in the end as a prediction that it's going to light a fuse that needs to be lit mm-hmm. and it's not going to be pretty change never is um but that may be what it takes. I, I believe it is. Well, anyway, let's let's see what happens I'm, on I'm, Thursday. I'm uh, I'm intrigued by your uh, predictions. I'm intrigued to see how it all turns out. Are you intrigued to know how how an octopus (laughs) reacts to ecstasy? Well, yes. Do octopi have brains? Yeah. Well, first of all, here's what I know. Here's what I know. See, one reason I don't eat octopus, and I know friends of mine who think it's a real delicacy, and I'm not a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is not rational because a vegetarian would say, well, wait a minute. If you don't want to eat an animal, don't eat an animal. But you can't distinguish between you're not eating animal because you think it's smarter than another animal. What kind? Of, yeah. You'll just have to excuse my weakness. Yeah. The point is, I do eat meat, as listeners know, only humanely raised and you know properly raised. But anyway, I do. But I don't eat octopus. Why? Octopuses are incredibly intelligent. Uh-huh. And I remember this because first, let's start with the with with our with our fears. One of the we all remember going to the movies as kids purposely to get scared yeah right it's an interesting subject why do we love horror movies as kids well it's because it's our it's our defense against the unconscious it's that we we have these unconscious fears 
And as the great Carl Jung said, the best way to deal with it is to face it. Mm-hmm. Face it head on. And then that, mm-hmm. the, what you're so afraid what of doesn't do. have as much fear. Right. Okay. One of the f- most frightening images I remember <laughs> as a kid going to the movie was the movie um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Loved it. Okay. Adaptation of the, J- the great Jules Verne novel. And there was a giant, I think it was an octopus. It might have been a giant squid, but whatever it was, it had tentacles. Right. And it grabbed the boat and it scared the living. <laughs> tentacles are, are scary. Yeah. Now, interesting, the Japanese who have very interesting erotic fantasies, if you're into erotic fantasies, okay. the Japanese have this whole genre of erotic um, uh, photos and, and movies based on tentacles. Hey. Yeah. So. That's what I'm going to go study. Well, it, it goes to the fact that tentacles, it's like snakes. It's like we have an, an, an inherent genetic fear because yeah. our ancestors, if they didn't kind of, if they weren't scared of the movement of a snake, they <laughs> get bit and die. So right. it's, it's part of evolution, right? But the kind of slithering movement is something that we instinctively recoil against. Mm-hmm. Okay. And giant tentacles <laughs> are one are of those things. Okay. So at any rate, we have that. So normally when we think of the octopus, we think of a horrific creature, you know, a scary creature. Right. Um, it turns out they're incredibly intelligent. Huh. And I remember this experiment. About 20 years ago, I read about this experiment. It was so cool. You had this uh, scientist studying the octopus. And they had, he had uh, uh, one in a tank he was studying. And then he had a separate tank uh, where he had a, a crab because that's what they like to feed on. Uh-huh. So, you know, the octopus would get a couple crabs to eat every day. <laughs> so the scientists... It's okay. Crabs don't have brains. Well, not as big as... Look, the way nature <laughs> works is predator, prey, that's the way it works. Absolutely. Right? We're not going to change that. So... The scientist starts noticing that the crabs are disappearing, and he assumes it's like one either one of his one of the coworkers or maybe the janitor, somebody who likes crab is stealing them, right? Uh-huh. So he decides to run a camera, a security camera, right? Stalls a security camera. Mm-hmm. Here's what he sees: the octopus in its own tank figured out a way to crawl up the glass of the tank and get out. He didn't have a top on the tank, right? Because he assumed the octopus wouldn't know how to get out of the tank. Right. It climbs out of the tank, climbs down the leg of the table, slithers across the floor, climbs up the table, goes into the tank with the crabs, and and has an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. And then goes back into its tank. (laughs) Smart. Smart and pretty, you know... I would say clever yeah. and, um, you know, good survival techniques. Um, they also, so anyway. So somebody decided to give an, uh, an octopus ecstasy. Is that the? All right, here we go. <laughs> You're ruining calamari for me, by the way. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Though interactive, uh, octopi are generally asocial and temperamental with unique behavior patterns. Um. They learn through experience and observation, forming lasting memories with brain-like bundles of hundreds of millions of neurons in each arm huh. and a centralized bundle in the middle. 
A desire to understand the evolutionary underpinnings of this brain power led scientists to give octopuses ecstasy. <laughs> also called Molly, also called E, also known as MDMA. I have never tried ecstasy. I would like to. I know people who have, but I haven't either. And most of what I hear is pretty good. Yeah. If it's not abused, you know. Yeah. So I, I'd be interested, but I've never taken it. It's a party drug. Right. Which in humans reduces fear and inhibition, induces feelings of empathy, distorts time, and helps people dance to electronic music all night. Yeah. Okay, it's according to this article. <laughs> it was used actually by therapists in uh, marriage counseling uh, at one point. Uh, it was a popular sort of a thing mm. so because it made people lovey-feely touchy. Yeah. And, of course, most marriages should break up. <laughs> so save the ecstasy for after you get divorced. <laughs> for the party. Hey. All right. Under the, under the influence of MDMA ecstasy, the researchers report in a paper published Thursday that asocial octopi became more social under the drug. Huh. Quote, even though octopuses look like they come from outer space, they're actually not different from us a neuroscientist at John Hopkins University School of Medicine who led the study says, they found that humans and octopuses share parts of an ancient messaging system involved in social behaviors, one that is enhanced by ecstasy. We, that's we humans and octopuses or octopi, share lineages that may have been conserved to reduce fear and enable social behaviors. And the scientists think that this study with octopuses on ecstasy presents a promising model for studying ecstasy's effects on the human brain, treating uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and better understanding how the brain evolved to, to create social behaviors. Huh. Now, so are octopi, uh, octopuses, uh, however you say it, are they uh, normally non-social? Yes, according to this article. So very intelligent, not social. Huh. So they, they don't, don't seek each other out. They're right. loners. That's interesting. But MDA, MDMA, ecstasy, helps release, among other chemicals, serotonin, which we now know is the neurotransmitter that creates happiness. If we yeah. don't have enough serotonin in our brains, we ain't happy. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, we're the opposite. The ancient molecule is involved in regulating mood and social behaviors, in invertebrates as well as hmm. fish, dogs, and humans. Um, the scientist who created this experiment is interested in the evolution of social behavior. Um, and the reason he picked the octopus, not because it's intelligent, but because it's separated by 500 million years of evolution from humans. Ah. Octopi suspend their aggression for a few minutes in order to mate which is interesting because mating is often an aggressive mm -hmm. behavior. But in octopi, aggression is suspended during the few minutes that they mate. Um, and that's potentially the same receptor that makes uh. humans behave socially. Hmm. Any similarities in the octopus and the human genetic code related to this system could help understand how the brain down to its tiniest bits evolved to govern social behaviors so basically humans are social so they can have sex 
and so we can and it turns out so we can develop complex societies right well that works um huh uh, now see it's interesting because along with that and this is something now we're getting well beyond my our fields of interest yeah. <laughs> it's my understanding because we know if we look at nature which ought to be our best teacher right yeah. if we learn if we look at nature there's plenty of aggression out there there's plenty of predator prey activity mm-hmm. but here's what often the people who use that as an excuse to eat factory farm meat don't get in nature animals are aggressive they kill and they eat other animals but they don't take more than they need mm-hmm. that's kind of unique to us humans yeah um so as vicious as nature can look to us the fact remains that nature as a self organized process um, makes has a lot of balance to it yeah uh, and we more than any single animal because of our brain power are screwing that up huh. and unless you're a climate change denier right um, or don't think nuclear weapons are an issue um, or don't think it's that big a deal that billions of our fellow humans don't have enough food to eat right when we have the technology to create more than enough food unless you don't think those are problems it's pretty clear that our human brains haven't figured out we have our limitations how to deal with aggression etc yeah welcome to next thursday in the senate (laughs) so you know at first you'd say okay did the people who put up the money for the experiment with octopi and ecstasy, were they on ecstasy when they approved this? Mm. The answer is there's actually some important information that looks that, that's trying to be gleaned here. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they've given ecstasy to, to like uh, feral cats, if they would become uh, nicer cats. Interesting. Small dose. And now... Um, I learned about this firsthand, okay? It took me until I was well into my adulthood to figure out, because my family wouldn't talk about it, hmm. um, that there was chronic depression in my family. Ah. And it wasn't noticeable growing up because my grandmother, who had it the most severe, when we were around her, she was always happy. Uh-huh. Because she forced herself to be right so we knew her as this woman who had a great singing voice who was always hugging us and couldn't be more generous and just was just really fun to be around it was only after she died that i was told by a relative and this is i I mean i'm smiling right that after her kids grew up my father my uncle right were out of the house My grandfather was a really hard worker. He would leave very punctually every morning for work, um, created his own business. Uh, She would make him breakfast. He would leave. She would get the newspaper, 
go to the obituaries, hmm. pick out a funeral, dress up in black, and attend it. Wow. Harold and Maude. Three or four days a week. Wow. That's how she dealt with her depression. Okay. <laughs> I'm I alive and you're not. A first cousin of mine, older than me, delightful woman, committed suicide. Hmm. Clinically. And when I was trying to find out what happened, I was like just out of college at the time. The family response was, the doctors don't know what's wrong. Everybody, they knew what was wrong. Uh. My family didn't want to admit that that there could be this severe depression. Uh-huh. She ended up killing herself. Um, so anyway, when I realized that my downtimes were not just an accident, right? Uh. That there was, um, I did my research. This was back in the 80s. And this is when uh, Zoloft and uh, I'm blanking out the first one, yeah. um, Prozac, right, came out. So I did my study because I don't like taking prescription drugs, right, except when they're really needed. Because uh-huh. when they are really needed and used properly, they're miracle cures. Absolutely, often, right. I mean, without antibiotics, none of us would be here. That's right. The fact that we've abused them is a separate story. Um, so I studied it and realized I needed it because things are getting tough. Uh-huh. And the side effects were could be a nuisance, but they weren't dangerous side effects. It was based on my research. So I, it turned out that I had no side effects. And literally from the time I started taking the Zoloft, I would say about 80% of the depression disappeared immediately. Uh-huh. And because having done my research, it's a, um, let's see if I can remember all this. Um, it is a serotonin uptake inhibitor. And what that means is without serotonin, a neurotransmitter, we would all be depressed. Uh-huh. To the point where we'd be almost non-functional. Serotonin is crucial. We naturally produce it in our brains. Mm-hmm. But what neuroscience started coming up with was some of us biochemically, separately from anything that happens in our lives to depress us or make us happy. I mean, clearly, certain events like tragedies are supposed to depress us. Sure. Okay. We're talking about chronic depression. They discovered that often people who are chronically depressed don't have the biochemical ability to maintain serotonin in the synapse of the brain. They have serotonin, but but it's it leaps out. I'm using the wrong phrase. Yeah. Um, it, let's say, leaches out before it can be properly um, metabolized. Uh-huh. And the drug, whether it be Prozac or Zoloft, inhibits the synapse from getting rid of the serotonin too quickly. Uh-huh. And so... In many cases, not all, it has an amazing positive effect very quickly. Right. And fortunately for me, I suffered none of the known side effects. So I was very grateful. But after about a year of being on it, I made the decision, wait a minute. It was very clear to me that while there is a biochemical reason for depression, that's not the only thing that was going on. And that there was an opportunity to try to get at some of the other causes. And so uh, I weaned myself off of it 
hmm. and decided to do dream work, learn dream work, right. and go at it that way, which I'm glad I did. Takes a while. Uh-huh. Um, it's challenging, but I wanted that challenge. Most people don't. Right. I get that. But at any rate, I learned firsthand about serotonin. Uh-huh. And trust me, if we're not absorbing serotonin, we might as well jump, you know, we're going to jump off a bridge somewhere. Right, yeah. Um, so it's an important study. So it's interesting that um, uh, when I first read about this, I said, oh, this will be fun to talk about on the radio, octopus on <laughs> ecstasy. Ha ha. Uh-huh. And it is fun. Yeah. But it also has a, a more important a meaning real, to it. A real reason. And, um, you know, maybe we should secretly put some more serotonin in the food of the of the United States Senate. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you and I'll have to try it sometime. Um at any rate. Um now, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg by the way with artificial intelligence now. Um and with bioengineering, the two biggest trends affecting us. Uh we're not only we're learning the genetic code of the human brain. Mm-hmm. And so not only are we going to have greater super drugs to cure just about anything. Of course, the side effects are going to be monstrous, but let's leave that aside <laughs> for a second. Um, we are going to be re-engineering the human brain. Mm. Get used to it. Yeah. Um, already there are computer chips that have been implanted into people that have helped them um, with epilepsy, yeah. reduce seizures. And whether it's 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years, and let's just say this, all the predictions of the last 30 years have been too slow. Thing, when it comes to artificial intelligence and, and biological engineering, things are happening faster than predicted, not slower. Yes, they are. Um, we... Think about it. If you had a choice, if you had the money, and at the very beginning, you have to have a lot of money. It's, uh, but if you had the choice, let's say you had, had an eight-year-old child, and you were told that if you gave that child this gene, right, mm-hmm. a gene that could be injected into their brain, that would make them 25% more intelligent, you're going to say no? It'd be hard hard to say no because even let's assume you said you know what i don't think this is right ethically and i don't like this i don't like the potential side effects no okay how do you explain to your kid that why their friends are all 25 yeah. percent smarter <laughs> and he or she is not yeah and I mean, it's, it's it's something you have to think about and figure out what the ethics of that is actually and is there anything unethical about it i don't know well it's going to become a key key question yeah and sooner rather than later at any rate um i don't know why i'm suddenly hungry for crabs but uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's take a break okay my love my lover 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 i'm in paradise whenever i'm with you my mind my my, 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 well, it's a paradise whenever I'm with you. Ride on. Ride on. I will ride on down the road. I will find you. I will hold you. I'll be there. It's long. 
This is Doug Grunther. We're at the Woodstock Roundtable. Uh, Ron Van Warmer co-hosting with me, Engineering. He'll stick around after I leave at 9 o'clock to play you some great music. Coming up, we're going to have some great music, live music here with the Sultan of Sonic's mm. old Gus Mancini, who's invited in Miss Maybell and Uncle Wildfingers. And yeah. where do you hear them? Uncle Wildfingers. <clears throat> we're going to uh, have a phone call from one of our favorite musicians, Professor Louie, who uh, heads the great band Professor Louie and the Chromatics. Find out about an event they're going to be doing and playing a cut from his latest CD. And uh, then our special guest will be Porter Fox. He's an environmental journalist and a wonderful writer. His book is Northland, a 4,000-mile journey along America's forgotten border. He's had some Mm. amazing experiences out there in nature. We'll get to tune into that. Um, What were we talking about? Oh, let's... Let's see, I have so many articles here I wanted to talk about. Let's do this one. Because sometimes you hear a statistic. Uh-huh. And, you know, statistics can be used to manipulate information, manipulate people's minds. But once in a while, you just hear a statistic and you go, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And it says so many things. So here's the stat. In the 21st century, more people around the world die of obesity than starvation. Wow. Now, let's unpack this a little bit. Um, We humans are very good at creating tools and technologies. Mm -hmm. That's the reason we have obesity. 
in nature, you don't find obesity. True. You don't find, you know, you'd say, well, what, what about a uh, lion seal? That's their natural right. weight. There's a reason for that. That's evolution, okay? But you don't see overweight lions. You don't see overweight praying mantises. You don't see overweight garter snakes. You don't see it. Well, you don't really have animals to have too much leisure time. I mean, in terms of they're either eating or... Or sleeping, sleeping or mating or... Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're very little vacations. Well, okay, but take. whatever the reasons, you don't find obesity in nature until we showed up. And in one level, you say, okay, wow. If more people around the world are dying of obesity than starvation, leaving out what that says about the human brain, it's mm-hmm. not a good thing. Um, the fact of the matter is, it does speak to our ability to create technology. Because as uh, uh, Malthus predicted you know, centuries ago, we'll never feed enough humans because the number of humans will increase greater than the level of technology can ever deal with. Well, that turned out not to be true. We're good enough at technology now that we can produce enough food for mm-hmm. the entire world. We we're can. not. We're not. Dis- we, we throw we away haven't, we haven't a fig- lot of it. We produce enough. We haven't figured out how to distribute it. Right. I mean, we throw away about a third of the food that we produce. And you know that specifically because you work with folks who do something about that. Right. Just give us a minute on that. On- well, and the amount of food that's thrown away uh, from the grocery stores is amazing. And, and they're stopping doing that, actually, because they're actually working with the food banks and the food pantries to take that food and distribute it through the food pantries and soup kitchens uh, rather than throwing it away. And there's good reasons for doing that, apart from um, uh, not wasting the food. Uh, it's cheaper for the, uh, the, for the supermarkets and the grocery stores because, one, they have a, a tax uh, benefit from donating, and two, they don't have a dumping fee for throwing it in the, uh, in the uh, landfill. Welcome to a win-win situation. There you go. But we were educated differently, you see, because when we look at nature with the human brain, often we see a reflection of our own brain, which is very fearful, very distressful, and very competitive. That's what we were taught, mm-hmm. right? That's what we're taught, particularly in America. Be competitive. Outcompete the other person, right? Right. As much as I uh, respected Barack Obama, I'll never forget after the 2008 economic crisis and he came in, he said, we're going to just outcompete everybody. Right, he did right? say that. That's the American thing. We're going to outcompete everybody. All right, I get it. Competition has its place. I get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, my first profession was tennis. I get it. <laughs> but it's limited because if we look at nature with the right vision, the predator prey, you could say, well, that's competition, winners and losers. But if you look at nature at a whole, it works because in nature, before we showed up, animals don't take more than they need. Right. And, um, and we do. And... Uh, But the fact of the matter is we now have the technological expertise, thanks to the part of our brains that knows how to create technology, to produce enough food to feed. Mm -hmm. But yet we have more people around. So that's not because, oh, so few people are starving. 
Too many people are starving. But the fact is, there are even more people who are obese. Right. And part of the reason they're obese is because we're producing the wrong kind of food at a price that is affordable for people who can't afford the right kind of food. And so the poorer are more inclined to be obese than the middle and wealthy. Which is ironic, to say the least. And it's because, and by the way, because I had this argument, for those who say, you know, don't be so fast to criticize McDonald's and Burger King. They're providing poorer people with a chance to, you know, to eat. Die of obesity. Okay. Uh, here's where that <laughs> argument goes right down the drain. There's only one reason that a McDonald's Whopper is cheap, and that's because they're, they're successful at lobbying our Congress to give them tax uh, incentives. Exactly. Um, if, if there was truly a free market, which you hear— conservatives talk about all the time if there was a free market a hamburger at mcdonald's probably cost 15 20 bucks e, yeah you're right producing meat is expensive very expensive and and um and wasteful of other and, and pro- other very, resources as well but the government subsidizes these people with mm-hmm. our tax dollars so don't give me this well crap uh it's just it's just we're just we're brain damaged i'm sorry <laughs> as a culture um Well, think about that just for a second. And by the way, if in a thought experiment we were all injected with ecstasy, right? Mm -hmm. And we went around and started having conversations about the fact that the more people are obese than than are starving, I think if we had enough ecstasy in us, we'd say... Wow, we ought to do something about that. Uh-huh. I mean, how can you feel good, which is what ecstasy does? How can yeah. you feel good and accept the fact that more people die of obesity than starvation? Right. How can that be an acceptable reality? And, and the, the, uh, the, the number of people with diabetes is increasing dramatically because of the obesity. I mean, in part, in part mm-hmm. because of that. And, um, so we're killing ourselves. Oh, yeah. And as I said, if I could, you know, I thought about this, right? Let's say they, they, you know, any one of us was given the chance, okay, we can change one thing. What would it be? Well, it's a tricky question. Mm. Um, I think what I would do is I would force, I would say, all right, this the best, the top 50% of all advertising uh, creative people mm-hmm. uh, now are, have to work for the public good, not for <laughs> corporations. Yeah. Because think about how our genius, right? These people are geniuses. They've got us convinced that things go better with Coke. Right. No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> Coke is responsible for more diabetes and obesity exactly. and sickness than, yeah. than any drug. Yeah. Fact. Okay? Um, and it's not because a glass of Coke is bad for you. It's because the amount of Coke we eat. And the reason that we drink it all is because advertisers have convinced us it's good for us and we get addicted to sugar. Uh-huh. Um, but here's all you got to know. Take a rusty carburetor, <laughs> put it in a vat of Coke or Pepsi, and the next day, it's clean as a whistle. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a video on uh, YouTube. That, Think about what it's doing to your stomach. Coca Cola being used to get rust off of the uh, fender of a car, and here's oh, how works you, great. Here's how you do it. Yeah, it works great. Coca Cola cleans your toilet as well. Yeah, well, it'll clean you out all right. <laughs> At any rate, I'm just carrying that around. There are more people. On this planet, dying of obesity than starvation. Wow. 
This is why I don't care how scary artificial intelligence is or could be. I don't care. I'm rooting for it. <laughs> because we've proven we can't solve these problems. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So maybe with the help of AI, we can. Uh, maybe. Know, I'm thinking self-driving cars, safer than humans driving them. You better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> there will be glitches. But, yeah. but they're not going to be uh, hundreds of thousands of computers driving around drunk. Exactly. Or tired from working a horrible job or stressed out because of a fight at home. Yeah. You know, whatever else. Take the emotion out of driving. Yeah. Anyway, all right. with all that implied, we're going to take an early <laughs> break because we have some great music coming our way. And it's going to be live and it's going to be right here. The Sultan of Sonic Soul, Gus Mancini himself. That's usually good enough. But tonight, <laughs> today, he's invited two musical guests to join him. Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> 